1: This is Bailey Zappi, and you're listening to the Future Cast. What up, what up, what up? We are back. Future Cast, Episode 5. You know what it is. I'm Cody Carpenter. You can find me on Twitter at Carpenter NFL. And my co-host, Andy Milnick. You can find him on Twitter at FFDataKing. Back from the Senior Bowl. No show last week, but we're back. We're back in a big way, talking Transfer Portal, Senior Bowl, NFL Combine, NFL Draft. Shit, we might talk about some props, some NFL Draft props. I don't know. Is it, it, what am I missing, Andy? Am I missing something? I think we're, we're going to cover all bases tonight. Cover all
0: of it, all the buzzwords, all the keywords there, risers and fallers from uh, their senior bowl, everything top to bottom. we got you covered.
1: We're here. We're here for you. So we're going to start out with a guy we talked about last week, Caleb Williams, the quarterback out of Oklahoma. Talked about a couple weeks ago how he could potentially go to Wisconsin. They had some connections over there. He ends up back at USC with his old man, Lincoln Riley. We talked about this. We said this was probably the right move. Are you are you confident in this? You like this move? You think he's going to carry over his uh, expertise of this offense to USC and just kind of kind of lift USC into the top ten? Like I I think, in short, I think Caleb Williams going from Oklahoma to USC with Lincoln Riley instantly elevates USC to be a top ten team. Generally, you'd think new head coach going to take a year or two, but I think. Quarterback and coach, I think that elevates them top 10. You agree or no?
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'd label USC necessarily a top 10 team yet. Um, I want to see Lincoln Riley reproduce what Oklahoma was able to do on the offensive side of the ball uh, first, I would say, this season before labeling them a top 10 team. If they come out of the gate and absolutely light up whoever they play the first week or the first couple of weeks, then I'd say, sure, I'm I'm kind of behind it. But Caleb Williams was like, I mean, he had that good game against Texas and he had a couple of good games here and there, but there were games also where he just didn't look very good and he was pulled for Spencer Rattler. And we know Spencer Rattler is not an elite quarterback. So I'm not ready to crown them a top 10 team. Top 15, top 25 for sure, but still remains to be seen if they can be a top 10 team.
1: They're, They're... Tough games come at the end of the season. So they start out Rice at home, at Stanford, Fresno, at Oregon State. I think it's a little tougher, I guess, Arizona State, Washington State. But they're going to be a, you know, they might lose two games, I think. I think they're going to be pretty solid. But my biggest thing is, like, this offense is going to stay the same. He's bringing over quarterback. He's bringing himself over. I think the talent around him will only elevate. Um, I have confidence in it. Do do I like it? Nah, I don't know. We'll see. I, like you said, though, like we've seen Caleb Williams at his lows. We've seen him at his highs. He just has to continue to produce at those highs for us to trust him to kind of continue. Now on the flip side, we got Malik Heath, who transferred to Old Miss. He wide receiver from USC. Is that correct?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you're no, right.
1: from Mississippi State. Sorry, he went from Mississippi State to Old Miss. Jackson Dart officially signed with Ole Miss, as did Malik Heath. So Malik Heath goes over to Ole Miss with Jackson Dart. Ole Miss is kind of just reloading off of what they would already did last year. They got Zach Evans from TCU. Hopefully he's eligible. So you have an entirely new backfield over there at Ole Miss. Another interesting one at tight end. You can hit on the Ole Miss one if you want, but another interesting one at tight end, Tyler Stevens. Um, I hadn't heard about this guy until recently. He transferred from Buffalo to Mizzou. So he's transferring within D1s, but he's obviously elevating his game from Buffalo uh to some Big Twelve SEC action. Six six, two twenty nine, you heard of this guy? I've never heard of this guy until just recently.
0: Yeah, he actually was really pretty good at Buffalo. Um but I think the with Buffalo kinda of going through a rebuild now since Lance Leopold left and took the head coaching job over at Kansas and obviously Kansas had a pretty successful year by all accounts, right? I mean, you knock off Texas, you have a couple of wins. You hit your future uh, of over, uh, I think it was one and a half wins or a half a win for the season. Um, and then you're golden, right? So with Buffalo going through kind of a rebuilding phase right now, I think it makes sense for him to leave and get some SEC action. Uh, is Mizzou going to be a great fit? Uh, I don't know. Um if you're a Mizzou fan, you're not going to complain about the guy. He had pretty decent production, um, good inline blocker, uh, but remains to be seen if the quarterback at Mizzou can actually handle having a good weapon like Tyler Stevens.
1: I'm pretty excited to see just a guy, an athlete like this. Right, six he comes in two fifteen out of high school. He's up to two thirty now. Now he's going to go to a quote unquote real D one school, kind of an elevate. Not that Mizzou like fantastic or anything, but it's. It's the next level up from Buffalo. But at running back, this Ramon Jefferson guy, uh, he's transferring from Sam Houston, which is FCS. They've obviously been a powerhouse, kind of not as well-known as North Dakota State, but Sam Houston's been one of the, I think they've played North Dakota State a few times in the national championship. I think they beat him once. Uh, he's transferring from Sam Houston to Colorado, so he's actually going FCS to D1-D1. And this guy's a tank. This guy's 6'1", 215, True freshman last year, 752 yards. This year, 1,100 yards, 13 touchdowns. I think this Raymond Ramon Jefferson. I think this transfer is smart. Um, and I think he can kind of fall in line and be a dominant rusher at Colorado.
0: Yeah, I would say, like, the one thing I would say about Colorado is they've been, like, hemorrhaging, like, players to the transfer portal over the last few months. So the folks leaving and you see a guy come in here, I mean— Good for him for moving up in competition, right with you love to see that. And could he take a starting job somewhere in, in a power five conference school? Probably. But I'm not sold on, on him on in Colorado as a whole because of the fact that like I said, they're they're losing out transfers left and right. Um Program doesn't seem to be it's in free fall yet, but I do not think they're gonna
1: be very good this year. It's a very good point, very good point um we have one more guy on this list and that's the guy that we totally didn't see didn't realize had happened until just recently and that's jaleel billingsley who we thought was going to be entering the draft this year did not enter the draft and instead transferred away from alabama where we believe he had some off-field issues and he just didn't click with the whole coaching staff and situation there obviously moves on he's now going to texas do you like this fit
0: I think, it's a good, I think it's a good fit. I think it's going to be – he's going to have more notoriety. He's going to stand out on his own. Uh, you know, in Alabama, you have a depth chart that's always chock full of guys that are competing for the same spot, right? Consistent four-star and five-star athletes across the entire field. It's not only are you competing with good athletes at your position, but now you're competing with the wide receivers, you know, that are coming back. And, yeah, I th- I like the move for him from a notoriety and getting his name out there more. Um, can't fault the guy for wanting to become more popular and, and boost his draft stock up if he has any next year.
1: It's, it's just a weird thing for me because, like, you saw he comes out of high school at 216. Now he's 230, 235. He runs a 4'6 at the at the opening regional combine, 33-inch vert at tight end. It's athletic pass catcher. And then he gets overtaken by Miller Forrestal, a pass blocking, rush blocking tight end at Alabama last year. And this year, Cameron Leitu overtakes him in playing time as well. It's like the connection between him and Bill O'Brien. Maybe Saban just wasn't there. It's like, but the the thing that worries me is that it's like Miller Forrestal's not that great, and he outplayed and kind of took the job from Jaleel. Seems like as the season goes on, but I don't know. I guess you get. Get a year or two in Texas, and this Texas program hopefully is elevating. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, we have some guys that just entered the transfer portal. Cameron Wheaton, running back from Alabama. So we're just talking about Alabama. Another guy leaving in Julio Billingsley. Now we're talking about Cameron Wheaton leaving. Jameer Gibbs is coming into Alabama. Cameron Wheaton is going out. He just entered the transfer portal. Travis Dye also is another running back that we missed on, I forgot to mention, left Oregon to go to USC as well. But the main thing here was Cameron Wheaton. Cameron Wheaton is a five-star prospect, 91 overall, four-star on 247 Sports, five-star on ESPN and other locations, 5'11", 190 out of high school. Cameron Wheaton was a well-known running back coming in. And truthfully, like, Trey Sanders is still in Alabama. Alabama's pretty stacked at the running back position. And I guess Kamar just did not want to sit and do the Brian Robinson thing where he didn't get to play year one, two, three, or four. So... I applaud him if he lands in a spot. I am assuming he's going to land in a good spot. You make anything of it?
0: Right? No, I, I don't. I don't make anything of that necessarily. But it's it's interesting when you mentioned Travis Dye leaving and going to USC. You know, two four seven. Not that you got to live or die by them, but like their transfer rankings, right? In order from top top five, right? USC, Old Miss, LSU, Oklahoma, and Florida State. So there is, I guess, some merit to you saying, hey is this USC team going to be top 10? They've been pretty active in the transfer portal. Um, and so I i guess I sold out on them a little too early, but man, I i, I just got to see it, I guess, in order to, to believe it. You know, he made magic happen once in Oklahoma. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. It, this is going to be a good year. Um, it's interesting to see when you compare some of these recruiting rankings versus the transfer portal rankings, which teams are living in the transfer portal, which ones are still recruiting and throwing the transfer portal out the window. Just kind of interesting.
1: Let's look at this, now that you bring it up, talking about USC. We're talking about Caleb Williams. So we'll, we'll go through quickly just through the offensive positions in the transfer portal. USC at quarterback now in incomplete. Keaton Slovis has left. He's going to Pitt. We talked about that last week. Jackson Dart has left. He's going to Old Miss. Caleb Williams is in from Oklahoma to USC. So they just traded a five-star and a four-star for a five-star. Running back, Keenan Christian is leaving. He's a three-star. He has not picked a location yet. And they have brought in Travis Dye from Oregon and Austin Jones from Stanford. So they've received two three- and four-star running backs from other Pac-12 schools, which is pretty interesting to me. At receiver, Mario Williams is the biggest name on the list, transferring from Oklahoma to USC while they lose Michael Trigg to Old Miss. They also bring in Brendan Rice from Colorado, Terrell Bynum from Washington, two more, Pac-12 schools, getting rid of receivers, two USC, Brew McCoy is on his way out. So, like you said, they're they're staying very, very active. They're just bringing guys in left and right from from the Pac-12. I think the biggest thing is these guys are coming in from other schools within the conference. Stanford, Washington, Colorado, like what? that's the biggest shocker to me Oregon like what how are you recruiting it's kind of crazy yeah, isn't it
0: no I and like I, I mean Oregon coming going somewhere in conference right doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because like you're still getting the same you know exposures you typically would and I guess maybe you know obviously a bigger market in LA versus you know Eugene but still I mean it's Oregon. You know, it should be it should be the same caliber program as USC, right? I mean, at least it has been in the recent years where we saw Justin Herbert and Mariota come out of there. Um, and, of course, Matt's favorite, Bryce Friedman. But we don't talk about him anymore. And so, like, you've seen a number of players come out of there, and it just seems weird that they would transfer to USC. It, just, it is. It's bizarre. Um, but, I mean... Lincoln Riley's got a top 10 uh, 2023 recruiting class already. Um, so he's doing work on the ground, trying to make his name known and pulling people in there. But yeah, they've been super active in the transfer portal. And I think a lot of that has to do with him coming over from Oklahoma.
1: So when you look at the what you just said, you said they're, doing, they're, they're one of the best teams in the transfer portal right here, right now. And the way to bridge your gap from... 2021 to 2023, with 2022 being your first year at USC transferring, you just kind of wasted an entire year of recruiting, now you're going into USC, is take advantage of the transfer portal. And there's only two teams that are doing the best at that right now. With team scores in the transfer portal, this is your scores. Old Miss, number one, 72.11. USC is number two, 72.10. So Ole Miss has an overall score 0.01 better than USC. And then it's an 11-point drop to LSU and a 12-point drop to Oklahoma. So we just talked about the USC team. Let's skim right through Ole Miss really quickly. They obviously get Jackson Dart, five-star from USC. Zach Evans, running back, four-slash-five-star from TCU. They lose a guy to Miami. Then they get three wide receivers, Michael Trigg from USC, J.J. Pegas from Auburn, and Malik Heath from Mississippi State. Who in 2022 would you bet on being a better team? You have the Lincoln Riley fresh start. He's bringing over his quarterback. He's bringing out some receivers. He's, tra- he's transferring guys in from within the conference. Or would you take the old Miss approach where you already have, you know, boots on the ground, Lane Kiffin's there, and Lane Kiffin's just kind of I don't know, is he making a run at Arch Manning? Like, what? what is the whole – it's just kind of weird to see him bring in a whole bunch of – I mean, Jackson Dart, Zach Evans, Michael Trigg, does it, these are well-known talents. Like, who would you bet on right now? Would you bet on Ole Miss or USC to finish higher? Oh, what a tough question. It, it's kind of a loaded question, I know, but, like, it's kind of in- interesting to me because they're clearly the two best teams right now in the transfer Yeah,
0: I know. I would agree with you there. I, to me, I think – hmm to me, I think Wayne Kiffin in Old Miss, I would imagine you are going to end up finishing probably the season higher than USC. Um, only because Kiffin has kind of been there. He's done it. He's he's recruiting SEC talent to Old Miss, right? He's doing the goofy pictures and stuff on Instagram and, and you know, on TikTok and all that garbage. And... So he's doing all that stuff, kind of appealing to these younger players and stuff like that. So I think they want to come play for him, right? Um, The other thing, too, though, is that Ole uh, Ole Miss has been doing a great job, like you said, the transfer portal, pulling some of these guys from these bigger programs and stuff like that. But they were this close to beating Alabama last year. And if you were to tell a recruit, hey, listen, you are that one piece from knocking the king off the top of the mountain, You know, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you say, okay, yeah, sure. And you mentioned Arch Manning. It's not weird that they're all trying to recruit Arch Manning. It's weird that people are going to basketball games and watching Arch Manning play basketball. Like there are grown ass men going to a high school basketball game. And I get it. It's all part of the game. You got to do it or whatever. But like taking a step back and being like, you know, remove myself from football for a minute. Like that's just kind of weird. You're not gonna catch me going to a, a random high schoolers basketball game and watch them, but obviously Saban and Kirby are the best of what they do. Kiffin's the best of what they do. That 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 makes sense as to why they would go to all lengths to try and get the guy they need. Um, so we'll see if he ends up going there and following his dad's footsteps or his uh, grandfather's footsteps. But uh, yeah,
1: th- that team would be stacked if they had Arch Manning. I'm excited to see what happens. Um, I think I would bet my money in 2022 on USC, but I like what you just said. I like what Ole Miss is doing. I just like the trajectory, and I I think that's the spot that Arch goes. I just think it is. I saw Clemson's out on him, and I don't know. I think I think he might be out on Clemson, whatever way it is, but I think Ole Miss is in a good spot as long as Lane stays there. Um Let's move on past these last couple guys we were going to talk about. Let's jump into college ball. We just talked about all the high school guys moving into college, the college guys transferring, et cetera, et cetera. Let's talk about the senior bowl from last week. We ended the last show talking about our guys. Who's going to be that dude at the senior bowl this week? I said Carson Strong, Rashad White, Kelvin Austin, Jake Ferguson, you said Bailey Zappi, Abram Smith, Christian Watson, Greg Dulcich. How are you feeling right now about those picks?
0: I may have been wrong about Bailey Zappi. I'm, I'm not going to take the L yet because he could, in some miracle, show out of the combine. You know, there's part of me that thinks that he's going to run a 4-3 four, four, He's gonna have a, a massive vertical. He's gonna crush it at the broad jump. He's gonna nail these passes left and right, and he's gonna look like an absolute stud. Part of me wants to believe that, but seeing him easily fall behind the other folks that were there at the senior bowl—again, the senior bowls at the end all be all—and there were still some folks who left being like, you know, he's okay. You know, he's not the worst. You know, the worst quarterback they ever saw there, but he wasn't the best. Um, it still gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, Abram Smith, you know, your account talking with you that he looks smaller than what he is on paper. Um, we had him in that tier of, of running backs, I think, a couple of weeks back, where we talked about him being one of the tanks, one of the bigger dudes in this draft and and a senior bowl. And him showing up and having smaller hands than normal and looking overall just smaller than some of the guys that are at his position, too. Um, just means it's weird that he was like a linebacker at one point. It, it, I don't want again. I don't want to believe the the Bailey Zappy one makes more sense, but the Abram Smith one is just weird. Like it just seems bizarre.
1: No, I was gonna say the Bailey Zappy thing was weird because when you watched him on tape, it was fine. He was like this guy. He can zing and he can he can let her rip. And then we showed up there, and it was like, oh, this dude's not. It was just weird because it was like this dude's not built the same. Like he's just kind of no disrespect, but he's just kind of like frumpy. He's not like. Your typical guy and that's not always the bad thing but like you remember when Tom Brady came out Tom Brady was pretty frumpy and and that's just kind of how zappy looked when he was out there he just didn't look like he fit with and Sam Howell's pretty fit and Malik Willis obviously jacked and all that business but he just didn't fit in and I maybe it was just a bad con, you know having him play with those two guys but I don't think he had a terrible week the problem I had was like in certain situations he'd get rattled he, he, he bounced quite a few balls. He had some beautiful balls downfield, but it's just he wasn't on the same levels as these other guys. His arm strength wasn't on the same levels as the other guys, and that's really what worried me. Um, whereas, like, we've talked about Akil Glass before, and we'll talk about him in the future, and then you have a guy like Caleb Ellaby who comes out early. Like, I think those guys might give you more upside if you're – if you want to throw somebody on like a taxi squad or something, when you talk about from a fantasy perspective, I think those guys would give you more of an upside long term than a Zappy. A Zappy, I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be fine. He'll be in the NFL. He'll make a roster. I think. Like, but Case Keenum might be his his ceiling. That's that's my kind of thoughts on Case Keenum, on uh, on Bailey okay. Zappy.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a decent comp for him. You know, um, a comparable backup that can. You know, step in when needed. The uh, other two guys on my on my list of my guys, uh, Christian Watson and Greg Dulcich, I'm feeling fantastic about them. They, uh, Christian Watson, looks like he's the real deal. Um, again, I think we talked about it maybe last week or a couple weeks back. I mean, he looked just bigger than everyone else in the field when he was playing, you know, North Dakota State, and that kind of showed him him being just generally more athletic than a lot of the other receivers too. And then Greg Dolcich having great hands, uh, showing up and showing out. Again, we talked about some of the stat lines I think too, but it was good to see like him perform compared to some of the other guys that were bigger or maybe you know weren't as used as much as move tight ends. Um, that he was able to still stick out, you know, pass blocking wise, running routes wise, catching the ball, good hands, uh, beautiful hair. But yeah, he, him, and Christian Watson. I'm really happy to see them, and I, I cannot wait to draft Christian Watson in, uh, in my fantasy drafts this year.
1: I think we're going to continue to see both of these guys rise. Obviously, you know, we moved him up, DalSich up to tight end three in the tight end rankings, and I think that's just based on his dynamism. Like six four two fifty, this guy might run under four six, like. I don't know how his straight line speed is in comparison to his game speed, but his game speed looks like he's a four, you know, a low four seven, mid four six guy, and that's exciting because he's just dynamic. He's going to turn twenty two after the draft. Got that luscious hair. He's hanging out with Grant Calcaterra in the, in the media day. They're just walking around, kind of doing their own thing, and coming in like we had discussed, we had talked about Dulcich and and, and liking him and. I haven't moved all the way up to the early round three of the NFL draft going to the Giants. I really like that spot. But Christian Watson, I, I had Dulcich as an honorable mention of my on my all senior bowl team. I had Christian Watson as one of my three starters on my all senior bowl team. And that might seem like, well, I mean, you guys talked about the receivers not being that special, but Christian Watson stuck out. It was him and Tolbert that really stuck out from a overtaking, you know, a a powerful kind of show-up, like 6'4", 210, a dominating force out there, just being that guy. Jalen Torbert's jacked, he's a little bit smaller. Christian Watson was clear-cut. I mean, he was like every time the ball went his direction, he had it, he caught it, made moves all over the field. I love. I think probably my favorite part about Christian Watson last week was his comeback routes or or his digs on the outside, going to the sideline and just like keeping those two toes in and just reaching and and using that 6'4 frame. To like reach over the out of bounds line and make a catch, um, it's like this guy is too polished to have been an FCS wide receiver. But that's part of going to NDsu. That's just a professional program up there. That's not a it's not your typical FCS program. So I'm I'm happy for you, Christian Watson, Craig Dulcich. Guys, we've talked about before. Just just grinding it out. Uh, my tight end did not have that great of a week. Jake Ferguson. I talked about him last week as being like a Muth type, but. He really didn't pop off the screen. That was more of like a Jeremy Ruckert in those two. We had Ruckert and Ferguson right by side by side, right? And Ruckert made some of those better catches. Wide receiver, I had Kelvin Austin. Kelvin Austin came in a couple inches shorter than we wanted, but he came in 11 pounds heavier. So we're kind of excited about that, about 175. He's not in the Tutu Atwell weight range. He's closer to to a Devonta Smith than he is a, a Tutu Atwell as far as the body weight and this guy, the biggest thing for me on Kelvin Austin was just creating separation. Every single route this guy created separation, whether the ball went to him or not. He, and I talked about it before being, you know, I'm not going to say his name like I'm not going to say it, but like a receiver from Kansas City that creates separation and every single time he touches the ball, every single time people look at him, that's what Calvin Austin did. And I'm not saying he's going to be that guy, but I'm saying he has that level of speed and shiftiness that excites me. Running back Rashad White, he made my all-senior bowl team. Very excited about Rashad White. Like I said before, very smooth, patient guy, big hands, big body, runs upright. But I really like Rashad White. And then that quarterback, Carson Strong, he probably was my biggest disappointment of the week. And that was because we talked about him coming in. I was like, this guy, if he has a good week, he can come out of Mobile being QB1. And I don't think it like I was like I was confident. Like this guy could be QB1 if he shows up and shows out from the jump he did not. He came out pretty like slow, pottery and he was forcing balls. He was like they were running offense on air and he would hold the ball an extra 2 seconds or extra second and a half just so he could rip it 60 yards downfield. And they're pl- they're doing essentially like inside run but for passing, you right? It's it's quarterback receiver receiver and they're running like inside routes. And every single time It's like a five yard over the middle, and he's like, you can see him just winding up. I'm like, dude, just throw the ball. And he's like, he wants to like throw this thing like 85 miles an hour to like set a record because they're tracking the ball speed on all these things. And he's like winding up, and I'm like, just can you just like throw the throw the football like just be in your own habitat. And it seemed all week like he was just not in his habitat. Then they'd go and they'd run full offense versus defense, and he'd be standing in the middle of the pocket, and instead of just taking the guy that's open or the dump off, he'd hold it a little bit longer. I think the definition of his week was literally the last play of offense on, on Wednesday in the rain. He's got a guy coming across the middle, a guy on a dig, and there's running back out the backfield, and then he had a guy running at nine down the sideline. And instead of taking the wide open running back out of the backfield, he's people all over him, and he just like literally throws the ball like 70 yards directly straight up, he just straight up in the air. Into like quad coverage, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! What are we doing? It wasn't picked, but it was like not even close to the receiver. It's just like that. It was what Carson Strong's week was. It was just over trying too hard, and that was the real disappointment. I guess I had probably the whole week was Carson Strong.
0: Who did you think he most resembled? Like, so pick. I know you mentioned Calvin Austin resembles a receiver from. Uh, Kansas City that's very kind compliment to Brian Pringle Um, I'm sure we have a huge fan base of his tuning in today so they're gonna love they're gonna love you on Twitter all six of them and who did but who did Carson Strong to you kind of seem like if you to
1: pick like an NFL kind of comparable I mean coming in it was like a lot of people wanted to push the the Josh Allen thing on him because he's working with Jordan Palmer and that's his build his perceived arm strength and He doesn't have the legs that Josh Allen does, but the one positive I guess Carson Strong has is he came out without the knee brace, and it was like this guy's had a knee injury the last year. He took the knee brace off, coming on the field, never had hurt, never got hindered. I guess as I went through, I was like Big Ben. Big Ben with, I mean, because Big Ben's never had the strongest arm, but he's had an arm that was good enough, or you could think of like a, a Justin Herbert, because Justin Herbert was pretty erratic for a while, uh, but he kind of tamed it, and he's got a much stronger arm, I think, than Carson Strong does, and he's got better legs, but more a more erratic Justin Herbert or a slighter Ben Roethlisberger, but I don't think he's going to be on that level for three years if he gets in the right system. Like, it's going to take two to three years to get him to that next level, whereas before I was like, maybe, you know, a year. A year would be good for him. Like, now I think it's like, it's going to take a little bit of time.
0: Who did uh, Who did Rashad White kind of remind you of? Because he was a guy that I, frankly, to be honest, I was not super high on him kind of coming into the senior bowl. And I just saw, you know, everyone on Twitter gush about how just kind of quick this dude looked on the field and how he had great hands. Who did he kind of remind you of?
1: That's the guy I remember coming in, like I, I have him higher than – A lot of people did, and it's the receiving, like 43 receptions this last year at Arizona State on, like, 50 targets, 1,000 yards on the ground with less than 200 carries. He was a JUCO product. Uh, I think he's 23 years old, 23.1 years old right now, but 87th percentile college dominator, 98th percentile college target share. This guy, he has it, and seeing him in person play, he does run a little upright, 210 it's right on the borderline for me. Like, you know, that 205, 208 range is probably, like, low. But being 6 foot tall, he runs a little upright. He runs, I guess, with that Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell upright running style. But from a complete running back style, his stylistic comp is Le'Veon Bell. 100% for me. It's just, like, his patience, his hands, his running style. Like, the whole nine yards reminded me of Le'Veon Bell. But remember when Le'Veon Bell came out, I believe he was, like, 220+. plus. I, I want to say so I love like I talked to Matt about this and I said Le'Veon Bell uh coming out but Le'Veon Bell coming out isn't what Le'Veon Bell was now right it's different different guy but that's that's the comp that I came away with for Rashad White probably a lighter Le'Veon Bell
0: yeah he looked good I'm excited to see how he performed or how he runs at the uh combine
1: Let's run, up, let's run up a question here on the board quick. we got a question from Twitch. Are you upset with the guys like Kenny Pickett who refused to play in his team's bowl game but decided to play in the senior bowl to help his draft status?
0: Uh, I'll take this one right off the bat. No, I'm not upset with guys that refuse to play in the bowl games but, but play in the senior bowl. I mean, you're kidding yourself if you're telling yourself this is not a business and that it was a business decision to not play in the uh, you know, Durex condoms presents the, uh, waste management bowl, you know, in Saskatchewan, Canada in, in like to not play in that bowl, but then to go ahead and play in the senior bowl, where you're going to be compared to other peers that are, that are going to be around your draft stock that are going to be around, uh, where you want to go, um, by associating yourself with them, you know, you're putting yourself in that conversation, in that tier. You're elevating yourself in a marketing standpoint, right? Because when people say Malik Willis, they're going to think of Kenny Pickett. They're going to think of Sam Hall. They're going to think of all the people that they saw grouped together at that one location as opposed to how did Kenny Pickett do in that random, uh, you know, bowl that he was in. So I I personally, I'm not upset by it. I, I respect the decision to say, hey, I don't want to play in the bowl and get hurt. But I'm willing to play in a bowl that I know is going to have some effect on my draft stock eventually. Cody, what's your take on this?
1: I'm a hundred percent in lockstep with you. Other than the fact that if he was going to play in the senior bowl, he probably should have played in the bowl game. Just from a uh, program, I mean, from a program standpoint, it's like, well, uh, I'm your we're your boys. You should play with us. But from a money standpoint. One hundred percent. I'm dipping out, and I'm going to go train, get a week and a half head start, two week head start, to get ready for this whole process. When you're considered one of the top quarterbacks, according to the scouting industrial complex, when we got there, it was known he was the number one guy coming in. Like the NFL scouts agreed with us on that. So for him, it was smart because if he would have gotten hurt in that game, he'd have been all over right. Like if you had something happened, like Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams tore his ACL, and now Jamison Williams. Is like hardly considered a first round pick, and that's only because people are pushing him up there. If that happens to Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett goes to the bottom of this list. He 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 falls below Desmond Ritter without question. So I understand it, but and I think the only reason that all these guys came to the Senior Bowl, I think the only reason you got all six of these guys to come to the Senior Bowl is because all six of them knew that the other six were going to be there. Like that's the only reason I think. Like if say Kenny Pickett was going to be there and Malik Willis was going to be there. If that's it, if it was just those two, those two might have opted out. If if Howell wouldn't have got granted his 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 uh, third year graduation acceptance to get into the Senior Bowl, if if Ritter wouldn't have got invited, if Zappy would have got invited, if it was just Willis and Pickett, maybe they don't go. Maybe they opt out themselves because they're like, but I don't want to play. I want to get ready for the combine, right? Because Willis is like, I'll run a four four and I'll be the first quarterbacker. Pickett, I'll go to the combine and throw it. Pro day and throw like. I think it's the point that all six were invited, all six went. I think that's the point, but do I do I agree with it?
0: Don't and don't to to follow up on the next comment from the the you know the same user here, Keith wrote up there, Cody. Let's let's talk about this for a second here too. We're already seeing people opt out of seasons. I mean, to to keep their draft stock intact and to train for the combine. I mean, you saw that. I mean. Was Derek Stingley really hurt this year, right, is a question a lot of folks had because LSU was not very good. You had a coach that had the greatest job in the entire world. I'd love to be fired as a coach, get all the perks of it, and then just be able to ride out the season, you know, have my statue built in LSU. But Derek Stingley was hurt the entire season, and now he's predicted to be a first-round draft pick. I mean, it just – happen to coincide with, you know, LSU being dog shit this year. So I would say you're already starting to see folks who know they're gonna be in top in the top round being picked that are opting out of playing for teams that they know are gonna be bad that aren't going to get them a boost in their draft stock. It'll the fringe guys will always be there.
1: I'd agree on that. Let's move on to the senior bowl risers and fallers. Let's skim through these guys really quickly. Um, some, some guys that we had coming in, maybe we had lower on, maybe we were higher on them. I was higher on Trevor Penny and Jermaine Johnson. They smashed Perry Otto Winfrey was one that I knew about, but I didn't really think he was going to be a lot. This guy was an absolute dog on the defensive side of the ball from minute one of practice to the end of the game. He won the defensive MVP. This guy was an absolute monster. Have him now going early second round of the Houston Texans. I love that. Um, my the risers, Grant Calcaterra at tight end, um, he proved. The only question we have going to the NFL draft is the medicals, if the medicals get cleared. Obviously, we know he retired after a year from Oklahoma uh, with some concussions, and some neck injuries. He was awesome guy to meet. He, very nice, very uh, open to, to talking about his experiences and stuff like that. And I think Calcaterra is one of the most polished tight ends, if not the most polished tight end in this class. Excited about that. And then another guy we're both going to talk about here, Damian Pierce, he, he got to be the biggest riser probably from the whole thing.
0: Really? Damian Pierce, the guy who didn't perform
1: that well on the stat sheet at Florida, he's one of your biggest risers? Why? Because he he dominated from the jump. It was like, and, I, and I got, obviously we talked about this, he's never won over 600 yards at Florida, 574, 503, 305, but 106 carries is where he topped out. They just didn't give him the carries, 17 receptions, 19 receptions. I talked to this guy at the media day, at the media morning. I talked to him and, and it's kind of like, what's your point? What what excites you most about coming here? And he's like, the experience, the opportunity. Obviously, we talked about before, Jim Nagy was like, this guy's going to be, he's going to surprise people. Remember, I told you that? He, he said that himself. I was like, this guy's not going to surprise nobody. He's pigeon toed and he runs weird and he's slow and you can get opportunities at Florida. He comes in at 5'9, 220, 92nd percentile BMI, 92nd percentile BMI. And he runs like a mixture of Ray Rice and Kareem Hunt. This guy, he was on the team with Brian Robinson, Zaquandre White, and Devontae Price. Devontae Price obviously came in, really weird body type, didn't really do a lot. Zaquandre White was a late add. He's a slasher, a cutter. He looked like Elvin Kamara, just cut, 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 cut. But it was him, so Zaquandre would get a carry, and he'd cut, 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 get like three, four yards. Damian Pierce would get a carry, and he'd take run a guy over, and then he'd burst for like 40 yards and every single time he touched the ball it was a mad burst it was boom he's gone and then brian robinson with the next carry and brian robinson would run into the back of his center and fall down for a gain of two and i was like what are we doing and it was like all right next run through same thing same thing brian robinson runs into the back of his lineman damian pierce bolts through breaks a tackle runs for 40 i was like what are we doing and then he met him and he's he's the he was the most energetic guy at the senior bowl he was like I'm here to dominate. I'm here to show you that I am a bell cow. I'm here to dominate. Like and he just like wouldn't re- reiterate like this is what I'm here to do, and I'm doing it. And he was like most energetic guy. I don't know. It, it was just weird. It was because like we talked about before, this guy ain't gonna be much, and he was.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. And and speaking of guys that that we had talked about that we weren't too high on coming in here, I mean Bo Melton right on paper and at school the school he went to Rutgers by all accounts I I, I said it last week or a couple of weeks back just he probably you know walks in the room with the other receivers the other receivers are like is this the you know is this the right place am I at the right bowl game you know are you supposed to be here what's going on here T- tell me tell me at least that that take is right Cody tell me at least that Bo Melton look like look like
1: garbage on the field I wish I could tell you Bo Melton looked like garbage because it's what we talked about before, but he comes in 64th percentile arm length, 22 and a half years old, 93rd percentile college target share with 81st percentile college dominator with a ninth percentile college yards per reception. And I'm like, what the hell is this guy? 600 yards, 600 yards, year five and four and five. And he comes in and he's one of the main guys in the punt return, kick return game in practice. And... They're using him. The New York Jets used him like Braxton Berrios. So I'm sitting there talking to Alex Dunlap and the trash man from Roster watch Shout out. And it's like, end around to Bo Melton. Screen to Bo Melton. Hand off to Bo Melton. Jet to Bo Melton. Slant to Bo Melton. It was like, play after play after play. I was like, what am I watching? It was like, the offense ran through Bo Melton in practice. And... I was I was extremely blown away and, and confused by it, other than the fact that that's literally like, if you think about the Jets' offense, it's Jamison Crowder and Bo- and Braxton Berrius in that target, 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 target role, and that's exactly how they used Bo Melton, so it made me think like maybe they're going to bring a guy in like that, but what it really made me think of was how bad Ruckers is because they used a guy like this so poorly. But again, just a riser, a slow riser, it's not like he's going to jump in the top 10 or anything. We have him at 21 overall on the Player Profiler Rookie Rankings. You can check those out at playerprofiler.com. Go to Dynasty Deluxe. Go to Player Rookie Player Rankings. Check those guys out right now. We have top 30 wide receivers, top 75 overall, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Go check them out today.
0: Speaking of another faller, Dan Bellinger, I kept seeing this clip over and over again posted around social media that he just gets absolutely pancaked, gets up off the mat, says, I want more, looks super energized, and I'm sitting there like, okay, okay, big guns, take it to him, knock this dude down, and he just gets flattened again. This guy can't be someone we're actually expecting to take in drafts,
1: right? This can't be a guy who's actually going to make it to the NFL, right? He, he'll he play in the NFL, but the the problem is like coming in, Remember, I was like, this is going to be a Dalton Schultz guy. It's going to be three years down the road he's going to do something. And he actually surprised. And he, he, like, looked good on day one. And then they came out to open up day two. And the the tweet's kind of con- deceiving because they came out, and they didn't even, like, warm up. They just came out, and they kind of tooled around, and then they blew the whistle, and they come around to the center of the field. And it's Bellinger against – I can't even remember who he was lined up against. Was it, like, Kingsley and Ibari, or, it was a It was a truck. Uh, no, it was DeMarco Jackson, Appalachian State. And he lined him up, and they just went. And like you said, trucked him over. Did it again, trucked him over. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, he must have pissed somebody off, kissed somebody's girlfriend, stole somebody's money. I don't know what he did. Ate Robert Sala's breakfast. I don't know. But he came out, and he was like, all right, we're just going to punish this guy from the jump. And they did. They set the tone of the whole practice. But Bellinger actually had a decent, decent week of practice. I still think he's in that Dalton Schultz career arc. Do I think it's going to take three years? I don't know. But yeah, we moved him up a little bit in, in the tight end rankings, actually ahead of Cole Turner because he actually outperformed Cole Turner all week, surprisingly. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, his body type is fine. He's big boy. I don't love him, but he got dominated. He got dominated in that situation. We talk about a couple of these other fallers in the Senior Bowl uh, on the offensive line, Abraham Lucas, Daniel Abraham Lucas, and Daniel Falele from Minnesota, the six foot eight, three hundred sixty-five pound offensive tackle. Both of these guys, Abe Lucas from Washington State, both these guys came in with early second, maybe late first talk. Abe Lucas is more of a mid second, late second guy. Falele was getting talked about being a first round pick because he's a more athletic, and he's six eight. This guy's a freaking definition of a mountain. Both these guys had very poor weeks. At receiver quarterback, we already talked about Carson Strong. Romeo Dubs is horrible in press man at the line of scrimmage. If he gets past the line of scrimmage, it's fine. But the first five yards, this guy struggles mightily. Dontario Drummond, we talked about him before, coming in with like a 205-pound archetype. And he comes in at six foot, 217 pounds. He came in 10 pounds probably heavier than he should have because he looked like he had 10 pounds of sand in his shoes. And he, what he reminded me of on the practice field was Mike Williams, but the only difference is Mike Williams was 6'4", and this guy's six foot. This guy's pretty good at the ballpoint. Not a great route runner. Not going to create much separation other than in the red zone. Um, think a very, very, very uh, poor man's Des Bryant. Like very, very poor. Like he's got that ballpoint. Not great separation. He's just not... Not going to be that dude that we wanted to see. Uh, But those were the fallers that I had from the Senior Bowl. Let's move on to some guys that won because they didn't go. Do you have anybody, any receivers that maybe won or lost? Now we talked about before some guys that opted out, maybe should have went. Actually, a guy that opted out at the the Senior Bowl. I think Jahan Dotson to me
0: is a guy that Again, kind of weird circumstances surrounding him, right so like we're expecting him to go he's gonna go he's gonna go he shows up there and then it's like or he doesn't show up there and last minute like nobody has any idea why he just decides not to go right I, again, I think it's kind of where the film on him kind of speaks for himself, right just making catches and and just a gamer right anything that any that flew his way he caught it um. But I heard some of the rumors online that he may have been shorter, would have weighed in. I mean, I don't know if I buy any of that necessarily, but I think you win by not having that proven true right in front of everyone else. So to me, Jahan Dotson deciding not to go, he's, he's a winner by choosing not to be there. Although I think if he went, he would have shown up and shown out all the other guys because they, uh,
1: you know, like you said, weren't very impressive. I think you're you're spot on. Guys were talking about him coming in at 5'9 instead of 5'11. I think he got some intel from his agent or from some teams that, hey, we don't think you really need to go down there. We know you're going to be the best guy there. You have nothing really to prove. Um, I have him still in the first round going 29 overall to so the Dolphins. I think that's probably about his ceiling. I'm not sure he goes any earlier. Unless he runs a 4'29, then obviously you're going to see that ridiculous combine draft bump. Um, but the other guy, Chris Olave, we we're going to talk about him. Some guy just asked in the chat again. Chris Olave, I do think he's a big winner from this whole ordeal because we just said with Jahan Dotson, Olave's better than Dotson. Olave's been catching a lot of flack, but Olave's a fantastic route runner and obviously paying attention to things outside Outside of, you know, media or off the field, Chris is working down at the I Am Athlete House, House of Athlete down in Miami, Florida, working out with Brandon Marshall, uh, Chris, uh, Brandon Marshall, Chad Ochocinco, David Bell, Zamir White they're all down there in Miami so he's learning from the best and he's already one of the best route runners in this class and now he's down there working out with Chad Ochocinco I-, I think you would prefer working out with Chad Ochocinco and Brandon Marshall and-, and in Miami at the House of Athlete rather than going to the Senior Bowl in Mobile competing with a bunch of FCS and lower D1 wide receivers so Chris Olave, big W for me Do I wish he would have came out last year? Yes, but listen to a couple of interviews from him. sounds like him and his agent are pretty confident that they made the right decision. So if they're confident, I'm confident. But we've been going for about 50 minutes now, Andy. I want to ask you one more question, and let's get out of here on this. Let's end this on this. Right now, if I gave you commissioner rules for the NFL draft, you get to pick one guaranteed landing spot in the NFL draft QB, wide receiver, tight end, running back, the gold standard spot you pick it, no matter what the pick is, no matter who the player is any round, any pick, don't care if they don't have a first, second, or third round pick, if you could pick one spot one dream location who and where is getting drafted in April in the first round of the NFL
0: draft, the Green Bay Packers select Traylon Burks, wide receiver, Arkansas.
1: That's what I'm talking about. I love that right there. Love that right there. Episode 5, Future Cast. Peep the mock draft. Go over to playerprofile.com. Go to the article section. Type in 2022. Check out my mock draft 4.0. There might be a surprise at the wide receiver position. There might be a surprise at the number 6 position as well. I'm Cody Carpenter. You can find me on Twitter at NFL. My man over here, Andy Milnick. You can find him on Twitter at FFDataKing. For us, for Andy, the boys that play a profiler, don't forget to go over to underdogfantasy.com today because i tell you what, there might be some football playing this weekend. And right now, every user, if you go to the pick'em section on underdogfantasy.com, every user can take advantage of the number one pick'em, Joe Burrow. Over, under, one passing yard. One passing yard. It's a special offer. One passing yard. Take the over on Joe Burrow. I'm going over 63.5 Cam Akers, over 63.5 Joe Mixon, and over 5.5 rushing for Samaj P. Ryan. That's 10x your money. Go over today, underdogfantasy.com. Use that promo code UNDERWORLD. Get yourself up to $100 to spend for the big game on Sunday. Appreciate you guys. We'll be back next week talking a little NFL Combine, NFL Draft. Andy, let's have a week. I may have been wrong about Bailey Zappi. I'm not going to take the L yet.